It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Kimar Roach, and I listen to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Yes, yes, welcome back to another short edition of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm on half the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, Mash, St. Patrick Hewitt. And yes, you would be right to say, Mash, you're dropping an episode on Christmas Day. Don't you have anything better to do? Well, people, it's coming up to 10 o'clock UK time. I've done the family thing, belly pop off. And now I'm like, you know what, let me just record a little something, something for the people then, particularly those in the, the Caribbean and stateside, where a lot of our YouTube audience comes from. Here's some evening entertainment for you uh, when your belly too is pop off, you know, and you need to just sit back. So, um, but even before I get into that video, obviously, let's take it a bit more seriously. Merry Christmas to one and all for those who celebrate, even for those who don't celebrate, hope that you've all been able to come together with your loved ones, you know, and kind of just celebrate and re remember the important things in life. And uh, let's also take a moment to remember those who are in war-torn situations, uh, who are suffering, who, who family time and Christmas and cheer is the last thing on their minds when it's all about basic survival. Um, I, I just wanted to say that as some of you might say, oh, Mash, how are you going to get political and this, that and the other? Listen, 25th of December, let's take a moment, people. Let's take a moment to reflect. Let's take a moment to remember others, the those who are less fortunate than ourselves and so on and so forth. So this particular episode, I wanted to look at um, the, the test squad. A couple of weeks ago, we did a video after the test squad was announced and we did a live and we said that it was like a major reaction in the Caribbean cricket media amongst the Caribbean um, West Indian fan base, etc. Seven new debutants will go to Australia and so on and so forth. And when we dropped that video, a lot of the comments that we got in the video, if I try and find them now, actually, a lot of the comments that we got in the video pretty much said, not a lot in fairness, but a few actually, I'm exaggerating, a few of the comments, comments said in the video, uh, Mash, you're exaggerating. You're into Tokyo, exaggerating. The squad they've picked is basically the best squad they could pick. Um, why are you saying it's such a shock and so on and so forth? So I'm just looking now. So that video got just shy of 9,000 views with 211 comments on that video, which is 
the most comments we've had on a video in a long, certainly in a live. So I'm just looking, people. I didn't even realize. I'm just looking at it now. 211 comments on that video. Yes, yeah, the most comments we've had on a video since one I did on Carl Mayer's um, all the way back in September, right? So it was something that got a lot of kind of interaction and a lot of debate and so on and so forth. So I decided, though, I was like, all like for the last week, I've been looking at the squad going, have, do people have a point? Was that the best squad we could have picked in light of the fact that so many people had said that they can't play, they're, they're unavailable and so on and so forth? So let's just recap it. The squad that was selected to go to Australia was as follows. Craig Brathwaite, captain. Alzari Joseph, vice-captain. Alec Athanase, Tay Shandapal, Josh De Silva, wicketkeeper. Justin Graves, Kevin Hodge, Tevin Imlak, backup wicketkeeper. Akeem Jordan, Shamar Joseph, Zachary McCaskey, Kurt McKenzie, Gudakesh Multi, Kamar Roach, and Kevin Sinclair. So that is a squad that is um, that is selected to, to go to Australia. They will fly out on the 30th of December, so five days' time at the time of recording, and their first tour match will be on the 10th of January against a Cricket Australia. It's a three-day tour match against a Cricket Australia 11 in Adelaide, right? Okay, cool. So I looked at it and I broke it down and I'm, here's my notes. I made extensive notes looking at who could they have picked instead. Okay, so I'm just going to break this down to you. And I'm not here to say that I have the answers. Obviously, you lot know that I've always said that the, the moment the, the selectors' positions become open again uh, in Cricket West Indies, I'm going to apply. <laughs> no, no joke, I'm going to apply, you know. But um, this, I just looked at who were the potential options that could have gone to Australia instead. Now, let us just remind people who are listening. Um, Darren Bravo turned down the option to go, which in my mind, you can't blame him. Having not been selected to the ODI squad, having been publicly told you're too old, we're not taking you into the ODI squad, I completely understand why Darren Bravo would then turn around when called to come to the test squad. Having not been told that when he was not selected for the ODI squad, I can get why Darren Bravo would say, I'm out. And remember, Bravo had already released a statement saying he was stepping back from cricket anyways. So I get why Bravo's stance to Australia would be, I'm not going. How dare you try and call my name now? So Bravo said no. Shea Hope said no because he's got a T. Well, he has a T20 contract to play in uh, the Bangladesh Premier League. But according to Desmond Haynes, Shea Hope also said he wants to play some more Red Bull cricket before coming back into Test cricket. Make of that what you will. Jason Holder said no. He said he wants to play some T20 cricket to make sure that he's ready for the T20 World Cup. Brandon King uh, was asked as well. He said no. He's got a contract in the Bangladesh Premier League as well. Jermaine Blackwood was dropped as the vice captain and dropped from the team altogether. And so those are the big kind of, oh, sorry, Carl Mayers is unavailable. He, he's going to play some T20 cricket, I think, in South Africa or maybe that international league as well. So he was unavailable as well. So that's one, two, three, four, five players said, I'm unavailable to be picked. And Jermaine Blackwood was dropped. Okay. As was Raymond Reefer actually as well. So then I worked through the team and I was like, right, who could have gone instead of the players that there are question marks around? So I'm just going to, all I'm going to do for this video is, like I say, it's a quick one. I'm going to go through the, the order. Craig and Tej are a lock. They, they were never in doubt as, as options to go to Australia. So we don't need to discuss them. Zachary McCaskey has been picked as the backup opener, right? So McCaskey, um, in this year's, so I went, so just to let people know, I went back and looked at 
um, this year's West Indies Championship, which which was played in March and April, and then May for the Headley Weeks um, series as well. Obviously, there was an A-team tour to South Africa. Uh, there was some A-team cricket versus Bangladesh as well. Uh, there's been some academy cricket. So I, I looked at a lot of things, right? And there was a Headley Week series as well, right? So McCaskey in the Red Bull Championship this year scored 303 runs at an average of 34. Um, he went to South Africa and averaged 29 in the three unofficial test matches. I think he got 150 on that tour. Maybe he got two. I need to go and double check. Um, who could have gone instead of Zachary McCaskey? Well, I looked at the stats. Shane Mosley scored 355 runs at an average of 36 in the four-day championship. Um, Kieran Powell, obviously he's had his chances before, scored 347 runs at an average of 35 in the four-day championship. So both those two were better openers um, than, than Zachary McCaskey, right? But obviously McCaskey looks like he has been the one who's been earmarked, especially in light of the fact that McCaskey um, obviously went to South Africa as well. So the first question mark people have to ask themselves is, was McCaskey's pick warranted? Zachary McCaskey, for those who don't know, is 27 years old, if age is a factor in this. Shane Mosley, who was picked famously to go to Bangladesh during that COVID tour, um, he is 29. And obviously, Kieran Powell is, I think he's 33, 34 now. Let me just double check. Kieran Powell is 33. I don't know if age matters in these things. Like, it's been, we've been told mixed signals about when age does or doesn't matter, depending on who the cricketer seems to be. But those were two other options that could have been considered when it comes to opener. Get at me in the comments below if you think one of those two should have gone instead of Zachary McCaskey as the backup opener. From the top to middle order, Kurt McKenzie. From the minute Kurt McKenzie scored 81 in that final unofficial test against South Africa A, his position was a lock. His position was probably a lock anyway, because when you call somebody to make their test match debut in the second test against India, and they score a 32 and a duck, and they're only 22 years old, are you really going to drop them? You can't. You've now got to give them a run. They've forced themselves to have to give Kurt McKenzie a run. Obviously, Kurt McKenzie scored that double ton in the Headley Week series. He scored some runs in that Bangladesh A series. Um, didn't really fire um, in if Super 50 matters. He didn't fire in that. He didn't fire in um, the South Africa series. But he's a lock, right? Athenaise is a lock. We don't need to discuss him. So then we had to look at the calls up, call up sorry, of the two players who are likely to be in contention. Certainly, Kavem Hodge, you would think, is definitely in contention for a middle order position. So in this year's um, su uh, sorry, in this year's Red Bull Championship, Kavem Hodge scored 387 runs at an average of 39. Now, if one of Bravo, Hope, King was available, would Hodge have got into the side? Who knows? Remember, Hodge also offers some useful left-arm darts, right? Um, I'm not going to call it spin, but certainly some left-arm darts. So based on his Red Bull Championship, he got 67 versus Team Weeks in the Headley Weeks Championship as well. He averaged 30 in that away unofficial test series versus South Africa A. Um, so arguably, you could say, based on that, that Kevin Hodge has probably done enough to get into the team. The question mark for me was as follows. Sunil Ambris in the four-day championship averaged, sorry, scored 
363 runs at an average of 45. So less runs than Sunil Ambris, but that uh, less runs than Kevin Hodge, but Sunil Ambris had two not outs in that as well, right? So was Sunil Ambris an option? The other option was potentially Casey Carty. Casey Carty only played three matches in the actual championship, right? He And in those three matches, which featured six innings, he scored 178 runs at an average of 36. And the only reason I'm bringing Carty's name up is I just find it odd that we've given Casey Carty a central contract, um, made this whole big song and dance about we're investing in him in old Jai cricket. But everybody who watches Casey Carty, who understands cricket in the Caribbean, basically says, why is this guy not considered for the longer format of the game? So was there an option to also include Casey Carty in this squad? Evidently, they've gone for Kevem Hodge. Technically, the numbers support Kevem Hodge being there. But was there an argument that Casey Carty should have gone in there? There's also an argument to say, should Jermaine Blackwood have been retained? Because you're going to Australia, right? You're going to Australia with seven debutants. Was this the time to drop Jermaine Blackwood when there is a shocking level of experience or inexperience, I should say, within the squad going to Australia? I get the argument that some people are making where they're saying, ah, oh, well, you know, Tay Shandapal, he was taken to Australia to sink or swim and he and he swum. Cool. But Tej went with a much more experienced squad. We're taking seven debutants potential debutants to Australia. So should Jermaine Blackwood have been kept in the squad in that regard? Again, get at me in the comments below. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Justin Graves. Now, Justin Graves, you can't look at Justin Graves' pick as, and I was the first person to say, what is Justin Graves doing in the squad? But then when I deeped it and I, and I, and I overanalyzed it, I started to think, well, hold on a minute. Graves is probably there. And, and Desmond Haynes, in fairness, kind of said as much. Graves is there as the like-for-like replacement for Holder. Now, I use like-for-like like loosely. In the, in the four-day championship, Justin Graves averaged 25 with the bat. I think he was playing for the Wimmer uh, Islands. But with the ball, he took 16 wickets at 16. It's up to you lot to tell me if you can really judge someone by their domestic wickets in the Caribbean when so few people score um, proper runs. Whatever. That's not for me to decide. That's for you lot in the comments to decide, right? But Graves has obviously been picked for his all-round capabilities to replace Jason Holder. Whether it works out like that, I strongly doubt it. But once you understand that Graves is there as a like-for-like for Holder, his pick makes a bit more sense. And the reason why it makes a bit more sense is I set you lot this task. Go and look in West Indies cricket right now and look in the domestic and look in the domestic cricket scene. Who else was there to pick as a seaman all-rounder with better numbers than Justin Graves? I couldn't find anyone. And the only name I could pick, and this is the only critique I have of the Graves pick, they have decided to drop Raymond Reefer. Cool. 
Raymond Raymond Reefer is not a test match number three. But is Raymond Reefer a test match number seven or eight who can play an all-rounder's role? Arguably, Raymond Reefer is a better all-rounder than Justin Graves, given Reefer's test match experience, right? So my question mark isn't so much, should Justin Graves have been there? I kind of get it, actually. But why drop Raymond Reefer now? When you're going to Australia with seven inexperienced, uncapped debutants, when Reefer, you could have kept him for an extra series because you know Holder's not there. Again, you look at me in the comments below. Should Reefer have been kept on for this series, given the lack of lack of experience in the squad, given Holder's not there, and given when we look at Reefer's career arc, he's actually an all-rounder. That's what his actual career was. He's, re- he's tried to reinvent himself as a top-order batter, but he's actually an all-rounder. So should Reefer have been there instead of Justin Graves? De Silva is a lock, um, a timely century against South Africa A in that final unofficial test match. Um, it's worth reminding people that in the first-class championship, uh, what did Josh do in the championship? He didn't play that many games, if I remember rightly. <coughs> Sorry, uh, Josh De Silva. How did he get here? Is that him there? Josh scored, he only played two matches in the first-class championship. Was he away with Bangladesh uh, versus Bangladesh? I can't remember. Anyways, Josh scored 92 runs at an average of 31. So Josh, Josh is there because there's no other, there's no competition for him. If Shane Dowrich hadn't retired, maybe Shane Dowrich would have been selected in this test match squad. In fact, not even maybe, Shane Dowrich probably would have been selected in this test match squad. But Dowrich has retired, right? So my issue isn't with Josh. My issue is with the um, replacement um, wicketkeeper, sorry, the backup wicketkeeper, which is Imlac. Imlac is there, I think, because of age. I, 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 so Tevin Imlac is now, tw- I say age, 27 is a youth man in West Indies cricket, right? But there is serious question marks about whether Imlac has put up the numbers that warrant him currently being the backup wicketkeeper. In this year's uh, four-day four championship, 225 runs at 25 apiece. He didn't really show me anything in the Headley Week series. He didn't show me anything in the South Africa series either. Lots of people will say, what about Jamar Hamilton? Jamar Hamilton scored 241 runs at 27 in the same first-class championship. So better than Imlat, but not significantly better. He put up a 50 in um, the team week's game against the West Indies Academy. Jamar Hamilton had a very good super 50. Was there an argument to say that Jamar Hamilton should have gone uh, should have gone to Australia as the backup wicketkeeper and not Tevin Imlat? It all again depends on what is the forward planning going on in West Indies cricket. If they believe they have to invest in Tevin Imlat because he's 27 years old and blah, 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 I guess... On one level, it makes sense. Jamar Hamilton is 33. Um, he's only played the solitary test match. Would it have made more sense to take Jamar Hamilton? Again, people, get at me in the comments below. Would you have taken Jamar Hamilton instead of Tevin Imlat? Kevin Sinclair was already in the test squad for Inja, just didn't play. So he's a lock. Multi is a lock. No discussion needed. Kamar Roach is a lock because he's a senior bowler in this bowling attack that has gone, right? Even if people have question marks about Kamar Roach's ability in Australia and ability to take wickets overseas, Roach is fundamentally there because he is the pack leader. We, we still have to put significant respect on Kamar Roach's name, you know? 
let me just bring up Kimar Roach's numbers because I know what people are going to say. So let me be completely transparent and just bring up him from my um my stats guide. Um, so Kimar Roach's performances away from home. So in Australia, this is why people have an issue. Kimar Roach has played seven test matches in Australia. He has eight wickets at 91. Okay. Four matches in Bangladesh. He's got uh, five wickets at 63. England, 27 wickets at 33. India, uh, where are we? India, two wickets at 72. He's been good in New Zealand, good in South Africa, good in Sri Lanka, um, good in Zimbabwe, and obviously excellent in the Caribbean. So Kimar Roach, when you look at his overall test match stats, 265 wickets at 27.75 apiece, right? He is our senior bowler, but he's awful in Australia. Should, again, get at me in the comments below, should Kimar Roach have gone to Australia? Lots of you are going to say no. But if you're not taking Kimar Roach in a side which already has seven uncapped players, who would you have been taking instead? Are you realistically saying that you would have taken Jair McAllister instead of Kimar Roach? Yes, I know Jair bowls a lot, lot quicker than Kimar Roach. But there is something to be said for having a locker room leader and Kimar Roach's experience to help this next generation along. Get at me in the comments below. You may disagree, but I think he was a lock. Alzari Joseph, obviously a lock. Uh, Shamar Joseph, it's a big gamble, but we understand it. In the previous video I did about the West Indies, uh, the review of the West Indies A-Tour of South Africa, Shamar Joseph was our top wicket taker alongside Kevin Sinclair. He took his wickets, I think it was 12 at like 21 apiece. He's had a meteoric rise to uh, quote-unquote fame. He's one of the quickest bowlers in the region after Alzari Joseph. It makes sense to take him. Based on the lack of fast bowling depth that's gone on tour, it, it almost looks like Shamar Joseph is going to have to start in the first test versus Australia, but we shall see. And then the fourth seamer, Akeem Jordan. The only question mark around Akeem Jordan, he outbowled um, Jair McAllister in the South Africa A-Series. Um, Akeem Jordan has kind of been around the squad for a while now, waiting for his test match um, debut. So given he outbowled Jair McAllister in the, um, in the unofficial test matches in South Africa, it makes sense that Akeem Jordan is the one to go. But again, if there's not swinging conditions, I don't see how Akeem Jordan plays ahead of Roach, Shamar Joseph and or Alzari Joseph. So I'm not really thinking that there's any issue there with Akeem Jordan's pick. But just for just to throw there this little tidbit, though, where's Marquino Mindley? If anybody knows where Marquino Mindley has gone, this time last year, Marquino Mindley was flown to Australia, having deservedly earned his chance for a West Indies test debut. Obviously, he then broke down. He pretty much climbed off the plane after flying from, what, Jamaica to the States to Australia, then broke down after, like, five overs or whatever it was in the test match. But Marquino Mindley's domestic numbers warrant him still being around the West Indies setup. Where's he gone? Where has Marquino Mindley gone? No one can, no one can really give me the answers um, for that. In this year's Red Bull Championship, um, he took 19 wickets at 18 apiece, right? So he's 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 always been there and thereabouts. But, like, where is he? Like, what's happened to Marquino Minley? And then just a few more names that I just wanted to throw out there. Is there an argument to say, and then I'll wrap this video, is there an argument to say that 
if you were taking a Kevin Hodge and even a Zachary McCaskey, was there an argument to say Kevlin Anderson should have been taken? I'm not saying he should have. I'm just throwing that out there into the mix. Was there an argument for Kevlin Anderson? If you're taking Justin Graves, who's 29 years old, was there an argument to take Naeem Young? I'm not saying we should have done. I'm just asking the question. And the last name I've written down, was there an argument to take? Why did I put this guy's name down? Oh, also in the all-rounder position instead of Justin Graves. Was there an argument to take Dominic Drakes? I don't know. I'm just putting the questions out there. You lot get at me in the comments below. You could say that I'm talking a bag of nonsense, a bag of foolishness. It's Christmas time. Ho, ho, ho. I hope Santa bought you everything that you wanted. But taking this video, did the West Indies give us everything they could have given us in this test match squad to tour Australia? Did they pick the best squad they could have picked? Or based on the potential players I've offered up to you, could they have made a few tweaks here and there? I've been Mashal St. Patrick Hute, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. As ever, if you're watching on the visuals, I always say it, you can find us at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. Like, share and subscribe to this video. We're on that road to 7K. We'll nearly touch that. Then we'll be on the road to 8K. If you want to support the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, head to www.patreon.com forward slash Carib Cricket. And as ever, stay locked in for more, more content. We've got lots of content coming before the start of 2024. So stay locked in, subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell so you always get emailed and get the notifications etc and we'll be back soon It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.